X-Ray. Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. I'm Jefferson Smith from Portland, Oregon. It is Thursday, September 10th. Today, back in the day, September 10th, 1853, Tekelma leader Ops Chief Joe, and Oregon Territorial Governor Joseph Lane negotiated a peace treaty. It was a moment of peace after a year of war between southwestern Oregon natives and white settlers. The treaty established a temporary reservation on the north side of the Rogue River. It also required natives to abandon their foraging and fishing practices to farm and ranch like the settlers. And in 1855, the peace of that treaty ended with the Lupton Massacre. It was committed by a band of white settlers who referred to themselves as the Exterminators. By 1856, the U.S. government forcibly relocated the Tekelma across the state to what is now the Salette's Reservation. Many natives died on the way, and even more died on the reservation from disease and inadequate diet. And today, not as far back in the day, September 10th, 2008, the Large Hadron Collider was powered up in Geneva, Switzerland. The Large Hadron Collider is a cutting-edge experiment in particle physics. The machine let scientists smash protons together and observe their behavior. In 2012, the Large Hadron Collider facilitated the discovery of the Higgs boson particle. The Higgs boson was the final puzzle piece in the standard model of physics, which tries to account for all particles and forces other than gravity in the universe. The Higgs boson particle helped us fill in a key gap of the math. And the Large Hadron Collider is still being used to research major problems in physics today. We'll start with your quick six headlines. X-ray reporter Augustina Elizabeth has continued coverage of Black Lives Matter protests across Oregon. And we have an interview with Paul Peters of ION from Khan and Morgan of the Unrefined Sophisticates podcast. X-ray. First up, it is time for today's quick six local rundown. Oregon and California and a little bit of Washington look like scenes from John Carter, warlord of Mars. On Tuesday and Wednesday, level three go now evacuation orders have been issued in multiple counties across the state. Remember the year 2020, the year of everything happening. As gusty dry winds continue to fan wildfires, many Oregon counties are urging residents to evacuate. Parts of Washington and Clackamas counties are forced to leave their homes. In Clackamas, the Level 3 evacuation order extends south of Highway 211 between Estacada and Woodburn. Currently encroaching on Clackamas are the Sandyam, Riverside, and Lion's Head fires. As of yesterday, the Riverside and Sandyam fires were 0% contained. The Riverside fire southeast of Mount Hood had spread to over 20,000 acres. The Sandyam fire had spread to over 132,000 acres. The Lion's Head fire at over 90,000 acres was 31% contained. Smaller blazes are growing in southern and eastern Washington County. Cherry Grove, the neighborhoods in Newburgh, were evacuated. And looking away from the Portland area, evacuation orders hit six other counties across western Oregon. Marion, Tillamook, Lincoln, Lane, Yamhill, and Jackson. East of Salem State and Mill City and other com- East of Salem State and Mill City and other communities were evacuated and wildfires spread through the Sandy Am Canyon turning the sky dark red. In Phoenix, Oregon, that's southern Oregon, Mayor Chris Lux estimated a thousand homes may have already been lost and nearby talent hundreds more homes were incinerated. Due to the dangerous combination of big winds, warm weather, and particularly dry conditions, officials have described the growing wildfires as once in a generation. Temporary shelters have been set up at numerous sites, includes Oregon State, Deschutes County Fairgrounds, Clackamas County Community College. Governor Kate Brown said at a news briefing on Wednesday that some of the towns have been substantially destroyed, include Detroit and Central Oregon, Blue River and Vida, east of Eugene, along with Phoenix and Talent in the state southwest. In Washington State, Governor Jay Inslee said that 480,000 acres had burned across the state this week, more than almost every recent fire season. 
Nearly all of the homes and municipal buildings, including the post office and the fire station in the small town of Malden, burned to the ground. Your daily dose of data on Wednesday, the health authority reported 125 new cases. Note, we used to be having 300, 400, and 500 new cases a day. This is lower. Let's hope that sticks even as people go back to school and move inside. There were eight new deaths, which is higher than normal. Our total number of confirmed reported cases now 28,471 and 494 confirmed deaths. Multnomah and Marion counties reported the highest shares. Rural counties previously hit hard have shown signs of improvement. Umatilla County, only five new cases. Malheur County reported 11. This is the lowest single-day report since late June. And as of September 5th, Oregon's cumulative positivity rate is 4.6%. Compare that to the national average of 8%. The Multnomah County Library wants to open up new buildings around town, but the cost may be too high. A new bond measure set for November would increase library space by 50%. That bond measure has been in development since 2016. It'll be decided by voters this November. The measure would provide $387 million to expand and renovate existing libraries, build a new 95,000-square-foot library in East Multnomah County, likely in Gresham, and the plan would triple the library space east of 82nd Avenue. According to the American Library Association, Multnomah County libraries are the fourth busiest in the nation. Good work, readers, but rank 102nd in square footage. Officials estimate that operational costs will increase by 5% or about $3.5 million annually if the plan is put into effect. But librarians are concerned about staffing levels, claiming that many libraries in the county are understaffed as it is. The bond can only be used for construction costs, not personnel, not administrative costs. A spokesperson for the library said that post-COVID, library staff will return to pre-pandemic levels and that if and when the new projects are completed, 41 new staff will be hired. Portland City Council unanimously approved the facial recognition ban on Wednesday, the strictest such provision in the country, applying both the city and private use. The private ban, which covers businesses in Portland, takes effect January 1st. The ban on use by city departments goes into effect immediately. Note the ban would not apply to private individual use, like the Face ID feature on your iPhone. The city has at least one business that does use facial recognition technology. Jackson's food stores scan customers' faces to prevent shoplifters from returning. X-Ray Zone KK has been leading the coverage on facial recognition. You can listen to past episodes, including yesterday's episode, for more. Portland Street Response is set to launch a year later than expected. Designed to be an unarmed alternative for crisis intervention, Portland Street Response was approved by the City Council last November. The program would create teams of medical and mental health workers who would respond to people experiencing crises, including mental health crises, as distinct to being responded to by armed police. I'll note that on Wednesday, the Portland City Council approved a $975,000 settlement deal with the family of Lane Martin, a man fatally shot by Portland police during a mental health crisis. The program got approval months back, but it remains in limbo. It's not yet been tested on the ground. In May, Commissioner Joanne Hardesty's office said the coronavirus had delayed plans to launch. In July, the city's hiring freeze was blamed for further delays. Now the project manager for Portland Street Response, Robin Barek, says the first team will be deployed in February of next year, 2021. Plans for the program's launch have also seen big scalebacks. When passed, the program was to launch six teams of medical and mental health workers as a pilot. Now officials plan to launch just two teams within the neighborhood of Lentz. City officials, though, are using the program as proof of their commitment to police reform. On Mayor Wheeler's official 19-point plan, enacting Portland Street response is checked off. And a small ripple of hope, Metallica has donated money to Clackamas Community College to support metal workers. Metallica has a history of helping community colleges fund classes in heavy metal courses, get it, like automotive and welding. 
Last year, Clackamas Community College got $100,000 from Metallica's All Within My Hands Foundation. This year's $25,000 comes from James Hetfield, Metallica's lead vocalist and guitarist, auctioning off a one-of-a-kind collection of coffee tables. He made them during his spare time under quarantine. He named the series of tables the COVID Collection by J.H. In full, those coffee tables sold for $75,000. The funds are going to go towards buying students their own tools and also personal protective equipment. Tools for students in welding and other trade skills are limited, especially now that students have less access to shared workspace. You can't go to the tool library if that would mean you're getting too close to other people in the tool library. School officials say that giving students access to their own tools has done wonders for students' confidence in the workshop. They report that 90% of the students who get aid from Metallica are landing jobs. And that's today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. X-Ray. X-Ray journalist Augustina Elizabeth is back with coverage of protests across Oregon. Here is Augustina's interview with Jay Brown, an organizer in Coos Bay of Black Lives Matter protests fighting for public safety reform, racial equality, and educating us all on black history. Here's Augustina and Jay with more. This is Augustina Elizabeth reporting for X-Ray FM. Thank you for listening. And you are? Jay Brown. And Jay Brown is an activist in Coos Bay, Oregon, who is organizing a lot of the Black Lives Matter demonstrations in this area. Can you tell me a little bit about your background in understanding police conduct and process? So my background in understanding the police officers is my family is actually law enforcement. Not all, but a good chunk of them. Or military or yada yada yada. Um, So my knowledge of the police process is pretty understanding as far as what their job is, how they're supposed to respond to it by the book. And being born and raised where I was, I didn't ever see that take place. I never saw it done by the book. I always saw it based off of morals or bias, which isn't uncommon in California. Um, But I also see that being done in Coos Bay. I see a lot of bias judgments and a lot of bias decisions being made instead of by the book. And um, I don't think I've ever seen a successful police interaction. And that's unfortunate because I am 27 years old. I've never seen a successful 100% regulated police interaction with a citizen. And that's troublesome. It bothers me. And I think it bothers a lot of us. Have you ever had any interactions with police directly? (laughs) Multiple. (laughs) Multiple. So um, where I was born and raised and in Coos Bay, um, for my line of work, I have to work alongside the police officers pretty much day in, day out when there is. I work in the mental health field, so due to HIPAA, can't share too much. But um, there is a lot of times where we have to call the police department to re- respond because, unfortunately, that is the way that our system works right now. When there is any escalation and there is no set mental health program set in place, we have to call the police. And the way that they respond is just like, it's not trauma-informed care. It's not, um, it's not healthy. It's not healthy for someone who is mentally ill. It's not healthy for a veteran who suffers from PTSD. It is not healthy for a homeless population. Um, 
of my interactions have been very interesting, not only from a personal standpoint, but from a professional standpoint. So being able to see both sides of that is interesting, I guess I would say. What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to lead people to? Equality. What does that mean to you? I am the same as you. I am the same as you. I shouldn't be treated any different because my skin is darker than yours. My, I shouldn't, my daughter shouldn't go to school and get chocolate put in her hair because kids around her don't understand her hair texture. They want to see if things stick in it. That's not equality. That's not, that's not education. I'm tired of Black History Month being taught the same three black people, which is Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and Rose Parks. You're in school for what, 14 years? 13 years? There's no reason you should be learning about the same three people for 13 years. If you're going to teach black history, teach black history. We have Hispanic History Month. We have LGBT Month. or uh, We have Pride Month. Like We have so many months where you have the opportunity to get education on multiple minorities. And the fact that we're not taking that, that step to get educated and instead we're sugarcoating it and we're watering it down like it didn't happen. There's so much about the black culture that people don't understand and people don't know because they're not educated on it because we don't teach it in our education system. Like Black Wall Street, not taught. I, I asked 27 years old, didn't even know. I didn't even know that existed until I was like 25. And I was like, what? There's Alonzo Tucker, the only documented lynching that happened in the state of Oregon happened right there in Coos Bay in 1902. Nobody in Coos Bay knew about it, but maybe 40 people. In the city of Coos Bay, why is that not being taught? Because we're watering down and we're hiding and making it comfortable for others about black history. And that's not okay. Because history has a nasty way of repeating itself. A nasty, nasty way of repeating itself. And if we're not acknowledging it, then it's not going to be addressed and we're not going to fix it. And it's going to repeat itself and people are going to get hurt or oppressed. If you could give me five points of reform that you would like to see as a 27-year-old black woman in your community or in the state of Oregon, what would they be? I know I'm like the back of my hand. We would like to see body um, cameras implemented in all police departments. Um, I think that can save lives and it can protect officers at well, as well. Um, and I think that's like one of the biggest ones we want to see more implications of um, hate crimes. Right now, Oregon has no hate crimes. They only have bias crimes. Hate crimes are a huge thing right now that if we address it, it protects everybody. And I think the writing around that needs to be interesting so that we aren't taking away anybody's First Amendment right from freedom of speech. There's a big difference below between hate speech and freedom of speech. And there's a line that we need to draw with that. So for writing the N-word or the B-word around, those things should be addressed and they should be held at a higher time in jail and a higher fine because they're specifically hate. Um, I think we need more education towards not only the black culture, but more history in general. I think our education system is kind of trash. So in Coos Bay, I see the police getting $9 million, but the schools are now getting defunded again and again and again and again and again. That's a problem. Um, we would also like to see trauma-informed care training in with the police department. That's a huge one. If you, um, 60% of the Coos Bay population is mental, mentally ill. So with having trauma-informed care, you are now entering a situation with a pre-knowledge of how to de-escalate instead of using 
you know, aggressive tactics or walking in with your, your guns drawn or having sirens, like those are all triggers for people. So for trauma-informed care and we're understanding the trauma that people are coming in with, that's huge. And that can help a lot of our population just with that. So those are huge. Those are, I guess, the most important three out of the 25 is, is the um, trauma-informed care, the body cams, and the refunding of certain police departments so that it's going back into the community. Jay Brown, thank you so much for giving me your time. This is Augustina Elizabeth reporting for X-Ray FM. Next, we will hear from Can and Morgan of the Unrefined Sophisticates podcast. They interview Paul J. Peters, a social worker and the executive director of ION, Influencers of Neighborhoods. They'll discuss the education system and what it means to really connect with students of color. This interview has been edited due to time restraints. It's another episode of the Unrefined Sophisticates Podcast. I am your host, Ken Jones. To my left, Morgan Jones. We want to welcome our special guest, Paul J. Peters. How are you doing, sir? Reggae horns. Yo, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Pretty Wonderful. well. Thank you for joining yes. us today. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. So, uh, let uh, let let our let our listeners know. You know, a little bit. I gave I gave the quick intro. Yeah. Uh, expand on that a little bit for them. Yeah. So, uh, I'm originally from Portland, Oregon. Uh, born and raised. Uh, grew up in North and Northeast Portland. <laughs> Um, and, and, uh, you know, basically how I kind of got my start and in, into, um, the field I'm in now is, uh, uh, at the end of my freshman year, my mom was like, you got to get a job. And, uh, <laughs> she was like, you can either, um, work in fast food or you could be a lifeguard. Wait, and you mean freshman was, as in ninth grade or ninth grade high school, okay. right after I got out right. of high school, my bad. Yeah. So right after I got out of high school. And okay. so I'm like, damn. Okay. So, uh. Okay, I'll get with that. Since I was a good swimmer, um, I, I decided to do, I wanted to be a lifeguard. Uh, okay. So my aunt actually paid for the class and um, I ended up being a lifeguard and swimming instructor at Matt Dishman Pooling Community Center. And so uh, that summer, um, yeah, so that summer, I was there pretty much all day and I would be, I would see kids there. Uh, they would be there all day as well. From the time we opened to the time we closed. And so, you know, at first it was, at first I didn't really think much of it because, you know, they'd be at the open play swims. Uh, they'd be there playing in the community center. They'd be doing all these things. But then like, after like two weeks, I realized like, yo, they're here literally all day, every day, mm-hmm. like every day. They don't have anything to do. They don't have anywhere else to go, to go, nothing. And so I started um, just befriending some of the kids um, you know, give them little jobs. You know, if they swept up, I give them a slushy or something or get them in the swim. And, and so that just kind of like was like my beginning stages of, of, of like mentoring and, um, you know, just working with youth. And, um, you know, from there, uh, it just kind of continued to blossom. I ended up, then I ended up getting in trouble myself, uh, uh, was got in some juvenile trouble and was relieved of my duties at Dishman. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> and from there, I worked in a program 
for juvenile justice called Save Our Youth. And so I was an adjudicated youth in there. So I was in there with kids who, uh, who had had guns, who had had, you know, different thefts and stuff themselves and issues. And then I later became a facilitator for that program. And uh, John Ashford, he's the one who, uh, who brought me in there. He was a family friend. And so every time this, at just different periods of my life, it just kept bringing me back to that, uh, working with youth and just, like I said, mentoring. And so, um, like I said, now I'm, I'm the school social worker for Alliance at Benson. Um, and you know, that's been a blessing. That's been a good, uh, a good space for me to work with youth and, and to learn as well as impart wisdom. Um, but the thing I'm most passionate about obviously is ION. And, uh, so quick history on that, actually, while I was finishing up my masters, um, Jonathan Riley, myself and, uh, Michael Waller, we went on like a guy's trip to the beach. Um, and we all have sons. And so it was us and our sons when we all went down there. And um, at the time, I was That's just dope. That's just lovely. Yeah, no, it was it was a phenomenal thing. Um, I was I was struggling a lot because um, um, just just I had lost I had left a job and then I was trying to find work and I couldn't find work. Uh, my daughter was had been in the NICU, so it was just it was just a rough time. And so John was was coming back from New York and he had just left Nike and he had started better. And he was like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and John's also my frat brother, as well as uh, as well as Mike. Um, uh, we're members of Kappa Alpha Psi uh, hey. Fraternity Incorporated. So, yeah, one of the divine nine, one of the black divine Hello. nine. group. And hey. so uh, so we sit there talking. He's like, yo, bro, what do you want to do? Like, what what can we do? What do you want to do, Paul? And. And, and he put me on the spot. I'm just like, well, I want to work with youth. He's like, well, what do you want to do with youth? What? Like, don't BS me. What do you want to do? I was like, well, I want to work with youth. He's like, well, doing what, though? I was like, uh, like mentoring and stuff and creating opportunities. Okay, well, what would you call it? And I was like, Ion. He was like, why? I said, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm literally just spitting this out as we're right. talking. Cause they're grilling me, yelling at you. Like, yeah, and I'm just like, uh, influences the neighborhoods. Like that's dope. Let's do it. And okay. I was like, okay, cool. And wait, in real life, you came up with that because he was like, "What does it mean?" And you were just like, "Ah, influencers yeah, of neighborhoods." Wow. Real talk. We, I mean, and it was, and it was a collaborative effort because as soon as it was him and Mike, they were both there, and they were both like, "Yeah, let's do it." And I, I'm not gonna lie to you, I, I still wasn't even really in the headspace. Um, mentally to to embark on that journey. I really mm-hmm. wasn't, like I said, um, like I said, struggling financially, still finishing up my master's. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my, like I said, my daughter having been in the NICU. There's just so much on my plate at that time. If, if there's anything I could say that's a flex for the master's is that I didn't need it. Man. I just wanted it so I could get the position I wanted. That's it, really. That's it. Because they, they wouldn't let me be a social worker without it. Right. This is, I identify with oh. the, with all this part. <laughs> I know this is. Because this is hitting too many, too many points, <laughs> pressure points on me. Currently, that that right. same thing of like, I could do this without any formal training. Mm-hmm. But because I need to have that master's, this, this bachelor's ain't good enough. For uh, for that right. level, it's trash. Well, the <laughs> part about it 
how I feel, not to always hark it back to like a racial place, but like there's nothing, and I did mine online with USC. There's nothing that USC was going to teach me when it came to dealing with our kids. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, there's nothing that they was going to teach me to be like, how do you navigate children of color? You don't, you don't know. You know what I mean? I know. You don't know. You know what I mean? Like, like so it was just and can you really teach that in curriculum right like, right really right so that's the, <laughs> exactly that's the whole thing like we was i remember just going through stuff like being in class and just being like i'm not going to use none of this like this is not <laughs> straight oh up. Like, i was like this is not <laughs> i was like this isn't going to help this is I not going to help my kids right now i'm like yeah i can't believe they offered that no, <laughs> no. Like this is never going to help you. The system's working as planned, and so oh, certainly. it's like if you if like to do that dismantles the whole point of what they're doing in the first place, mm. you know. And so it's like you know, because I, I fought like there was like That's a new initiative in, in the world. Of course, yeah. Like they had <laughs> this they, they had this new initiative to hire more social workers in our in our schools, and so knowing that we were going to get. Um, another one i was like oh we gotta have a, we gotta get a black female mm-hmm. and so i happened to know somebody who i worked with at a group home while i was still working or finishing up my master's she was finishing up hers and i said yo like i'm when you put it up i'm gonna I'm have her apply and then mm-hmm. i did everything in my power she ended up getting the job but i did everything in my power to help her get that because i was like look we need somebody else like that that looks yes. like these kids i serve yes. you know um like seriously, we need. What, what I do appreciate is that in certain industries right now, there is an initiative to hear that out, right? And yeah, and, yeah. Um, I think previously it was like, uh, quit yelling at us about black women. You know, it was like right. this whole like ah. Uh, right. And then now it's kind of like uh okay well well you know we'll try it out. Yeah. So <laughs> there, uh, baby steps, I guess. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm a burn it all to the ground but i absolutely <laughs> understand the in the meantime <laughs> yeah you know continue to change it and shape it to look like what we need it to look like um as much as you can within that structure so i think it has to be a mixture of both i i, I like yeah. I, I think it yeah, i think some stuff needs to be burnt immediately and then some stuff is like all right we could massage this one a little bit you know, I do think that there are certain systems that can be reformed. I don't think mm-hmm. every system in place is an oppressive system, but I do think that education as a whole is a part of an oppressive system. Oh yeah, America. by far. So, by far. Yeah, that's why I'm like burning that shit. Yeah. But I fully understand and appreciate because if we didn't have people like you doing exactly that and then fighting for more use <laughs> to mm-hmm. be in that same position. Like if we didn't have that, then it, then all we are is complaining. So, yeah. you know, like that. So hat off is what I'm saying. No, I appreciate it. No, it's I mean, like I said, I'm glad she's going to be working with us. I look forward to it. Uh, we need it. Like I said, um, our, our students need more people of color around, um, for that support just in general especially doing the distance learning right now this is this is going to be hard um in particular for our black and brown kids yep um you know and like i said the population i serve um they're usually a little older 
They've had other types of life things go on. Some of them are taking care of themselves at this point or working. So school, you know, is like already the bottom of the list. Um, and then you add to Right. And then you add to it, like, uh, you know, we, we don't have all the technology and stuff we need or the stuff we need to even do it. Like it's, so yeah, it's, it's, we need people that look like us to be able to reach out to them and be like, okay, yep. I know this is hard. I know it's frustrating, but we got it. Like right. tell me what you need. I got you. Yeah. They need to hear that, you know, and, and they'll believe it when I say it. Exactly. <laughs> they, need to, they not only need to hear it, but they need to know it's genuine from the person yeah. that it's coming from. Yeah. And there's an, an, an automatic authenticity there. Thanks to Augustina, Jay, Morgan, Khan, and Paul for joining The Local. And thank you for listening to The Local, your hometown, in about 30 minutes. Thanks for subscribing and giving that five-star review. And thank you, Democracy. Talk to you tomorrow. X-Ray.